front of this church for what you've been doing since COVID. You've raised up women now to pray. And I saw that you started doing the evening or afternoon prayer also. Prayer is really the heart of everything we do as Christians. And I want to tell you thank you because to get that number of women praying with you every morning is, is certainly the hand of God. The hand of God is in it. Because of work, I can't be there all the time, so I'm not able to be with you guys. But I just want to tell you thank you in front of the whole church for what you've done for women. Not only in this church, but I'm going to say worldwide. Amen? So if you're here and you've never... How many of you here have never heard Pastor Kylie? I don't think... Some of you have not. Oh, you're in for a treat. She hears from God. She hears from God. We kind of started feeling we need to have her coming uh, by the second week of January. And I got in touch with her. I said, please just give us a date. And uh, she gave us today. And we're so, so, so happy to have you here. And I want to thank you for taking time out. I know your schedule is busy. Thank you for coming. We are really looking to hear from you and from God, not from you, from God this morning. So let's stand up and welcome the servant of the Lord, Pastor Kali Gray. Is Jesus good or what? When they got to that part on Waymaker, even when I can't see it, even when I don't see it, he's working. That's where your faith is really grown. It's when you can't see the answer, but you know the answer. The Word tells us the answer. We may not always see the answer, but we know the answer, and we begin to declare the answer until it manifests in front of us. So, Lord, um, I just thank you for the opportunity today to preach your word. I thank you for an amazing, amazing church, the Ark Fellowship. I thank you for pastors Angela and Pastor Goodluck. Lord, I just I just honor this man and woman of God. I honor what they're doing in this region of Houston. I declare and decree in Jesus' name that every plan that you have for them and everything you've given Pastor Goodluck will absolutely come to pass in full fruition. And no weapon formed against them will prosper. Let's give Jesus a hand clap. I guess since I've been here the last time, I got married. So, so this is Pastor Bob Gray. Pastor Bob, if you'll just stand up. He's an amazing man of God. In fact, at the end of service, if or somewhere in this service, um, we're going to pray for the sick, if it's okay. And you, you only have to come up if you feel led. And uh, Pastor Bob's going to pray for you because I believe people are going to be healed today. I believe many will be healed today. So I want you to close your eyes and just re- just hold your hands up and just receive from the Lord. Lord, we can do nothing without you. As Pastor Angela was speaking this morning, no ministry that is a real ministry is built on anything outside of prayer. 
outside of your word. God, the things that you called us to do, we can't do outside of your power and your spirit. We are helpless without you. But with you, God, we can do all things. (laughs) With you, there's not any assignment that you've given us that we cannot accomplish because you are all powerful. And we honor you, Holy Spirit, today in this beautiful church. We honor you. We give our lives to you. We rededicate our lives today. We lay our lives down, Lord, before you in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. I'm going to preach a word to you today that, first of all, Purim was a couple of weeks ago. It wasn't this last weekend, but weekend before last. How many of you knew that, that Purim, the Feast of Purim? And it's really where the, the uh, nation of Israel celebrates what God did through Esther and through Mordecai and through a nation that prayed and fasted, and God delivered Israel from imminent death. And what he did is he replaced, see the enemy comes for one thing, to kill, steal, and destroy. But he replaced what the enemy had planned to do and he put the actual demon on the the very gallow that was built for God's children. And so they celebrate that every year. And I have had that on my mind since we, we had our Her Voice conference in Houston. And we, it was just, we planned that, that first conference, and I didn't realize I was planning it on Purim. And then as we got close, a friend of mine who studies all those feasts said, Kelly, did you plan this on purpose? I said, no, but God orchestrated it. And since then, I have been reading this story over and over. And the Lord said, this is the year that what the enemy devised to destroy you will actually be the very thing that the enemy has destroyed himself. This is the year. So this is the great turnaround year. Listen, you can't do anything for God. Nothing for God that the enemy does not devise a strategic plan to stop you. We're in a war. But you know what? The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is our general. And he's whispering strategic plans in our ears. And if we will follow his instruction, we will bypass the traps of the enemy. And the gallows that were built for us, the enemy will hang on. So I'm going to preach the death of Haman and the redemption of a nation. The death of Haman and the redemption of a nation. John 10.10. I'm reading out of the Passion Translation. A thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy. Once we get that in our head, that the enemy comes to steal, kill, slaughter... And destroy. We're, we're much better off because we understand the character of the devil. But I have come to give you everything in abundance. More than you expect. Life in its fullness until you overflow. I want to talk about three elements before I go into this story. I want to talk about being appointed being anointed, and being commissioned. All of you, 
Every one last one of you has been called. You have been appointed. You've been touched by God. You've been touched and appointed. And many of you have been anointed or in the process of God growing the anointing in your life. And then once we get to that place and we are through with the anointing process, we are commissioned to go do the assignments that God has given us. And yes, there are battles in the anointing phase and there are, uh, in the appointing phase and there are battles in the anointing phase, but the greatest battle is set against you in the commissioning phase. Because once you come to terms that you are called, and once you come to terms of who you are in Christ and you're anointed, and you begin to step out and walk out what God has assigned you to do, all hell will release everything that he can release to stop you. It's his last onslaught to keep you from accomplishing the will, purpose, and plan of God. So I'm just going to read a little bit here, just, just for context. Being appointed. To be appointed means to be put in an office in order to function fully and accomplish a task. Esther 2 and 3. Being anointed. To be anointed, according to Scripture, means to be equipped with necessary tools to carry out a certain task. In most cases, this is by the Holy Spirit because God's work is spiritual, and it takes the Spirit of God to fulfill His assignment, Samuel 16 and 13. When people were anointed, God empowered them to accomplish His task. His task. So it's one thing to be appointed, but anointed give, empowers you. Being commissioned. The Ark Fellowship has been commissioned for a while. And every plan that God has for this church, your life, Pastors Goodluck and Angela and their family, it will come to pass. It will come to pass. But don't think the devil's going to just lay down and just say, come get your prize. Being commissioned, to be commissioned means to be sent out to fulfill a particular purpose. It rests on a mandate, an instruction in order to fulfill a purpose. An example of this is in the Great Commission, John twenty twenty one through 23. As we see, as we can see from this, to be appointed comes first. This means being separated and selected unto a certain task. Being anointed comes next, which involves being equipped with the necessary tools to fulfill the mission. Lastly, after these two, comes the commissioning, which involves being sent and captures in clear detail the goal of the assignment being given to such an individual. The commission is the benchmark by which success will be measured. This is always, always where the enemy sends out his fiercest attacks. So, Lord, I just thank you that you're giving us eyes to see and ears to hear. And that we're not, we're not ignorant concerning the devil's devices. And we're not ignorant concerning how he works. 
But God, you're giving us eyes to see, ears to hear, and great faith to run this race and not to quit and to know that what you have said is true over the Ark Fellowship and what you have said is true over Pastor Goodluck and Pastor Angela and what you said is true over every family that's in this church. And we don't quit, but we forge ahead knowing that you will finish what you have started. Let's give Jesus a hand clap. I like Esther. I love the story of Esther. I cannot get out of that book. I keep reading it over and over. And there's things and elements about it that I learn every time I read it. Uh, chapter 1 it's First of all, it's set during the time of King Xerxes. He ruled over 127 provinces from India to Ethiopia. Now, he is a powerful world ruler. And he's calling all of his princesses and all of his kings and queens from these other areas, people that are under him. And he says, come on in. I want to have a party. I want to talk to you. We want to talk about what you need. We want to help you. But I want to have a party. I want to celebrate my kingdom. And so he brings these cats in from all over. And they party for six months. And they have feasts. And they have all kinds of time together. And then there comes a time where he wants to call in his queen. The Bible says that he had been drinking wine and his heart was merry. And he wanted his woman to show up. You know, when a man's heart gets married, they want their queen. And he called for her. And she wouldn't come. And he was so, so mad. He was embarrassed. He's the king over 127 provinces. He tells everyone what to do. He is anointed. He is well respected. They bow when they come in his presence. And he calls for his wife. And she says, no, I'm not coming. So not only is he embarrassed himself, but he's humiliated in front of all of his subjects. And so he goes to his wise men and he says, what should I do? And they said, well, there's only one thing you can do. If, in our opinion, if you don't punish her, if you don't bring her down from her high place, if you don't send her to exile and have her killed, every woman in this province will come against their husband and men will not be able to rule their homes anymore. So he followed their advice. And he dethroned her. And he sent her off eventually to die or be beheaded. We know she was killed. In chapter 2, he's starting to feel, um, he's starting to feel a little uh, wondering if he made a right decision or not. He's missing his queen. And so all of his attendants see that he's not in a good space and says, hey, why don't we uh, make a decree? Why don't you consider making a decree and decreeing across all of the provinces to bring all the virgins from all over the land and you find you a new wife? You need a new queen. 
You need something that's going to make your heart happy again. You're lonely, and you're second-guessing your choices. So we, you're the king. You can have anybody you want. Why don't we just start this process over? So Mordecai, who is a Jewish man, and there are many, 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 many Jews, and Israel is all over these provinces. They are... They have been taken captive, and so they're, they're, there's a huge population of them, and they're functioning in a world system. And Mordecai hears that they're calling for virgins, that the king is. Everybody knows what happened. Everybody knows that Vashti rebelled. Everybody knows that she humiliated the king. Everybody knows that she was sent away and put to death. And now the king is calling for a new Queen, and he wants all the beautiful virgins of the provinces to come. And Mordecai hears this. Now he's raising his his cousin. He's and she's beautiful, and she's a young woman. And he says, "You know what? You're the one that you're supposed to go. You're one. You're called to go. You've been called to go. So let's just send you." And let's follow. Now, I'm going to just give you some quick um, reference points. I believe Mordecai is a type and shadow of the high priest or Jesus. He's hearing the voice of the Lord. And you'll notice that all through these chapters, she listens to him even when she's in a much more powerful position. She recognizes the voice of of the priest. She recognizes the voice of God in her life and she honors the man in authority who raised her who is now telling her you are called to go. And she goes. When she gets there, immediately she finds favor in Haggai's sight who is the the king's right-hand man. He knows what the king likes to eat. He knows what the king likes for you to wear. He knows what, the, what, what all the likes and the dislikes of the king, he knows it. So he sees, he sees her. Oh, my God, look at her. Look at her. Look at how she carries herself. She's not only beautiful, but there's something quite pure about her. Let me have her. I want her, and I want to put her in the best place in the palace. And I want to assign seven attendants to just help her. And I want to coach her. So she's been chosen, but now she is currently being anointed and prepared to step into her role. It's one thing to be called, but you have to submit to the anointing process, the pressing process. The You, you can't wear what you want to wear. You wear what... You've been told to wear. You can't do what you necessarily want to do. Haggai is directing you. The Holy Spirit is working through this man called Haggai, and he's directing you to wear clothes and operate and come before the king in a way that he knows is going to bring forth great love and respect. Twelve months. Twelve months they prepare her. Twelve months of spices and oils and perfumes. Twelve months of showing her what to wear and how to look and how to speak and how to come before the king of kings. 
she thinks, man, how could this be? I'm an orphan girl. And, and, and listen to this. Mordecai had told her, do not reveal who you are. Don't reveal who you are. Don't tell them what nationality you are. Don't tell them that you're an Israelite. Keep that a secret. Many times God will speak to us things in our ear that we are not supposed to say out of our mouth until an appointed time. So she keeps that a secret. She moves through the anointing phase, and, in cha- and, and after at the end of that phase, it comes time for the king to pick one. The Bible says that when she, when she walked into his presence, he was smitten. And he fell deeply in love with her. And she became the queen. Many times we think our call and our anointing is all about us. It's all about what God's my destiny. You hear so much on your destiny, and that's great. But your destiny fits into God's plan or it's not a destiny. And if your destiny does not serve the king of kings, then it's just ambitions and you need to rethink your destiny. So she's got all the pretty clothes and she's got the big fat rings, those kind that Pastor Kelly likes. They're so big that you have to just drag them in. She's got a crown on her head and she's got beautiful robes and and she's just loving this. And oh God, you're so good. You took an orphan girl and you just gave you made me the queen. You made me the queen of 127 provinces, and I get to go to Bermuda and I get to go have all these vacations and I get to have so much fun and I get to travel all over the world and I have the best chariot and the nicest horses and everybody waits on me. I don't have to cook anymore. Somebody cooks for me. This is a great gig. She's chosen. She's appointed and she's anointed. And she's been through the process and now she's walking out being a queen. At some point in your life, even though we're called and anointed and we are priests and we are kings and we, we literally have access to the riches of heaven, at some point in your life you're going to be required to be willing to risk it all. At some point in your life you're going to be required to uh, suffer or to take the chance to suffer or maybe even take the chance to lose your life. The call... And the anointing, the, the, the appointing and the anointing and the commissioning will always cost you something. Now we get to chapter 3. And Haman enters the picture. Haman is the devil. He represents the devil. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He's an ego man, maniac. He's a narcissistic idiot. And he will do anything to stop the plans of God. So he begins, he's, he's very, he has a powerful position in the king's court. And he begins to notice 
that when he walks by Mordecai, he will not bow to him. The enemy tries to persuade us to compromise. The enemy tries to persuade us to give in to something to save our own hide. But Mordecai was not going to bow to anything other than Jehovah God. And so every time Haman passed him, he got more angry and more angry and angrier and angrier because this Jew here will not show me homage or respect. So he devised a plan. Esther is now a queen. She's just having her fun. She's just, oh, this is my destiny. Oh, happy. Haman gets the ear of the king and he begins to convince him that you need to you need to put a decree out that everybody must bow and worship and bow down and to you and no matter where they come from, no matter what they believe, because there's all kinds of religions and, and people groups in this hundred and twenty seven provinces, and he says they need to bow down to you. He knew in his mind that the Jewish people would not do that. He knew their loyalty to their God. He knew it would separate them unto death. The enemy has one plan for you and I, and that's to separate us unto death. If he can't get us in the appointing stage, he goes for the anointing stage. And if he can't get us in the anointing stage, his last great thrust is in the commissioning stage. So Haman does what Haman does. The edict is sent out. And the Jewish people begin to shake and quake, knowing that if God doesn't move, imminent death is their current story or reality. And so Mordecai begins to rip his clothes, and he put on sackcloth and ashes, and he's outside the king's gate. And Esther hears, Esther hears that Mordecai, the man that she loves, the man that has guided her, the man that led her, the, the man that she listened to, that got her into the position of power, and she hears that, that he is distraught, and she sends down clothes to try to fix him and help him. So this is what he says to her. Don't think just because you live in the king's house, you're the one Jew who will get out of this alive. If you persist in staying silent at a time like this, help and deliverance will arrive for the Jews from someone else. But you and your family will be wiped out. Who knows? Maybe you were made queen for such a time as this. See, what happened was when she found out why he was there, he, and he sent word. He said, I want you to go before the king. She sent back word that said, he hasn't called for me in a month. And remember the last chick that disobeyed him? He killed her. Uh... I want to be obedient to you, Mordecai, because I love you. And I wouldn't be here without you, but this is taking a big chance. So then that's when Mordecai said, look, what if you're called for such a time as this? And don't think you're going to be spared because you're a Jew. 
or because you're his wife. Because this edict has gone out and God will raise up someone else. Fifteen and sixteen, Esther sent back her answer to Mordecai. Go and get all the Jews living in Susa together. Fast for me. Don't eat or drink for three days, either day or night. I and my maids will fast with you. If you will do this, I'll go to the king, even though it's forbidden. If I die, I die. If I die, I die. You see, I've really enjoyed all these pretty clothes. And that big rock that I drug in there, that's so much fun. But now I'm seeing maybe maybe I was put here for something bigger than all the perks of being a queen. Maybe God is going to use me to save a nation. And if he doesn't, I still want to be on the right side of the fence. If I go down, I want to go down doing the right thing. I want to be remembered as a woman of faith, not a woman of fear. Three days later, Esther dressed in her royal robes and took up a position in the inner court of the palace in front of the king's throne room. The king was on the throne facing the entrance when he noticed Queen Esther standing in the court. He was pleased to see her. The king extended the gold scepter in his hand. Esther approached and touched the tip of the scepter. The king asked, And what's your desire, Queen Esther? What do you want? Ask and it's yours, even if it's up to half my kingdom. I, I love this story. First of all, she's super smart. And she's super tuned into the Holy Spirit. So she didn't just lay all her cards out right there. She said, I want you to come to a banquet. Can you come to a banquet? She's thinking, I need to make sure I do this thing right. Because I know this guy's got a temper. And he might go bipolar on me here. So I'm going to invite them to a dinner. And I'm going to, I'm going to work this thing slowly. Because that's what I hear the Holy Spirit talking to me. I, I've been praying. I've been fasting. And... God is downloading a strategy to overcome Haman and to save my people. And I just got to stay in the vein of hearing the Spirit of God. The answers to your questions, the answers to your challenges, the answers to the strategies uh, that the demon sends out over you and your family or your church or your ministry is always found in intimacy with the Lord. God will give you strategies to right bypass that trap. She takes him through a series of banquets, and then she reveals what Haman has done. And here's where it ends. Chapter 7. Haman was killed on the gallows he built for Mordecai. 
a few days, I've been listening and rereading this and thinking, God, this is a year that you are going to take what the enemy devised to destroy us, and you're going to turn it around for our good. You're going to make the crooked places straight. You're going to hang Haman. You're going to stop and dismantle the strategies and the strongholds of the enemy. And all we have to do is just keep coming to the banquet table of communion, and you will release the answer. You will release the step-by-step answer until it's time to literally take the 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 knife like JL did in her tent and nail the enemy to the floor because you coaxed him right into the trap the trap that was set for you God is going to use that very trap for the enemy but we've got to listen we've got to follow his instructions This morning as I got up really early in the morning, about four, I heard the Lord say, Pastor, good luck. Your name's not good luck. It's good life. In fact, he said it's good long life. That's the word of the Lord to you. Good luck has served you well. But God said, you're a man with an amazing good life. And he said, good, long life. Take that, devil! Good, long life. And every plan that the enemy has devised for you, you, by the Spirit of God, are going to side. You're just going to walk right around them. And then, boom, God is going to destroy them. No weapon formed against you will prosper. What's what's going on in your life? Is the enemy trying to take your business? No weapon formed against you will prosper. Did the enemy take your business? He's got a new one. Good long life. Good life. Good life. It's not about luck. It's about life. Every prophetic word that's ever been given to this ministry, you must reread it. You must reread it and redeclare it. You are a palm tree. You are a huge palm tree. And the enemy is trying to mess with the palm tree, but he will not be successful because he will hang on the gallows that he built for you. You must not stop. You must push. Pray until something happens. Push, push, push. When we started, um, you know, last year when COVID hit, Pastor Todd and Cindy, my, my senior pastors, which is my brother-in-law and my sister, we were talking, and Pastor Todd said, we got to pray. we got to pray morning, noon, and night. We're not having service. Our people need something to hang on to. And our community. So I, I asked Pastor Todd, can I have the 8 a.m. service? 
8 a.m. prayer slot. That's my normal time to pray. And I, I said, can I pray on my personal one because all our church follows there. And then I, I, I think I can be an encouragement to some others around the country. He said, of course. And he said, Pastor Cindy and I will take noon and 7 and we'll do it off uh, the church page. So we started praying. Simple obedience. Just be obedient to the little things of God. You know, we like it when God gives us a big grand plan. And it looks like that's just going to, man, we're going to ride this sucker in to the finish line. This is going to be a grand fun plan. But many times it's the small things that God instructs us to do that the grand plan is birthed out of. The simple instruction of coming to Sunday school on Sunday morning. And then you come here one Sunday morning and God touches you and and gives you a, a, a vision of what you're called to do for the next 10 years. The plan of being faithful to prayer every day. And it may seem monotonous and you may go every day and pray and you don't really feel anything. And all of a sudden, two years in, God does something explosive in your life because obedience is better than sacrifice. Simple obedience. So I just did what God said. Okay. I knew that year, unless God moved, I knew it was blown because I travel a lot and preach and I I get to do a lot of things. I I, I live a really fun life. I do. I have a great life. And so I'm thinking, okay, well, okay, I can pray morning, noon, and night. This, This is just a new assignment. So we started praying. A few weeks into it, one morning I got up and I heard the Lord say, Callie, will you call a thousand mothers in Zion? That's the words he used, mothers in Zion. That's not normal. You know, we know what mothers in Zion are, but that's not a normal term that, that I would hear. And then he said, go read the story of Deborah. So I went, I read it every year. I love it. She's a woman leader. I'm drawn to her. But here's what got me. Here's where the anointing of God hit my belly. When she referred to herself, she did not refer to herself as a prophet. She did not refer to herself as a commander. She did not refer to herself as a judge or the leader of Israel. She referred to herself as a mother in Zion. And when I read the words and I said them out of my mouth, the power of God and the fire of God hit my belly. And I realized that that's what God wanted me to get. And he said, Callie, it's from that premise that I want you to call women across this nation to pray. I want you to begin to call women with a mother's heart. Think about a mother, Pastor Angela. We would we would literally cross on our back through hell to rescue one of our kids. And I'm not saying you dads wouldn't, but there's something about a mom. You know I'm right. There's something about a mother. She will not let go until that boy or that girl gets saved. She will not let go until things begin to change. She will hold on to the horns of the altar. God said it's from that premise that I want you to call women. I want you to teach them. I want you to teach them how to pray. And I want you to show them how to pray with the right motivation, with God motivation, with whatever God wants is what we want. So we begin to do it. And over weeks and months, it began to grow. And then God said to me, he said, I want, he said, Callie, when it got to the end of last year, he said, you're going to be leading prayer well into the third great awakening. This is your assignment. He said, yeah, you're going to preach and you're going to travel and you're going to do a lot of things. But your assignment 
is to lead a million women in prayer. Your assignment is to equip women across this nation. He said the Jezebel spirit has bent this country over. And he said, I always come in the opposite spirit. And he said, I want to raise up godly women in America, that, that Bible-believing women, women that love the Bible, women that love their husbands, women that honor authority, women that honor my authority, their husband's authority, women that have given their lives over and believe in a man and love their husbands and, and look at their husbands and the men in their lives the right way. And he said, that can only be done through the Bible. That can only be done through prayer. Our whole society. Society is geared total opposite. And he said, I want you to declare that. I want you to decree that. I want you to call them forth. Every call and mandate of God will be tested. God prophesied over this church many times, not just what I've prophesied by the Spirit, but many prophecies have been about this church and the revival and the palm tree and the hundreds of souls that would be saved and what God was going to do and what he said is true and no weapon formed against you will prosper and the healing of the Lord is your portion and the provision of the Lord is your portion and the wisdom of the Lord is your portion and your faith has come before the Lord as a memorial. You show people how to serve God in times of trouble. You've shown this church what to do and how to live their lives. Your prayers are being heard. Not one Pastor Angela will fall to the ground. Not one. And I honor you. I want you to raise your hands. God's going to heal and deliver and set free today. The greatest days of the Ark Fellowship are right now and ahead. You need to be inviting people to church. You need to be getting in here because God's going to start healing and miracle signs and wonders are going to start manifesting in this place in multiplied proportions. Multiplied proportions. Multiplied proportions. I prophesy wealth. I prophesy health. And I prophesy a multitude of signs, wonders, and miracles. I prophesy a Bible revival in this church. A Bible revival. Your desire to teach people the true Bible to teach them to disciple them, not just convert them, but disciple them is so pleasing to the Lord that actually that anointing is going to begin to grip churches all over America where we are going to become the American church is going to become the discipled church, the discipled church. Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples. A disciple does what they've been taught to do. They live out their faith every day. They walk it out. I just thank you, Lord, for double portion anointing. Uh, You will come out of this, Angela, with a double portion anointing. You will encourage so many, 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 many ministers on how to walk through this type of test. 
I just thank you for healing this amazing man of God. Honey, I want you to come and pray for them. I believe God's going to heal your pastor today. I'm just, I'm standing in faith. He's doing so well, but I believe he's going to be completely healed. Nothing the blood of Jesus has bought you. You belong to Jesus. You are God's property. We command sickness to get off God's property. We we rebuke it at the very root and command it to be gone in Jesus' name. We curse it at the very root and command it to be gone. We command any spirit of infirmity that might be working, we command you to cease to function. And we, the blood of Jesus is against you, Satan. The blood of Jesus has bought this man. He is the Lord's. He is God's property. Paid for by Jesus' blood. We thank you that he paid for his healing too. We command sickness to get off God's property. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. He's your son. He's your son. Dearly loved son. Pray for strength, courage, hope. Come against the spirit of fear, worry, anxiety. We don't allow it to take to stay. We continue to worship you, Lord, and trust you moment by moment, day by day, whatever it takes. We're not going to give up. We're going to keep trusting. I just pray, God, you encourage her. And she asks you for grace every day, and you provide that grace. You never, you never turn away our request for grace. Strength, faith, hope, trust, whatever we need, Lord, it's available. I just pray continued strength in our heart, Lord, because I know, Lord, that when people go through sickness, it's the whole family that suffers. And they all need your touch, Lord, today. They all need your touch. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. One of the things I saw by the Spirit as I was standing at the pulpit is I saw the fire of God enter into this congregation. The fire of God. And um, some were burned up. And some were set on fire to burn for Jesus. So I want to tell you that last year I did more repenting than I've ever done in my life. Not because Pastor Kelly was in some sin, but God was working on the little foxes. Everybody say the little foxes. It's the little foxes that spoil the vine. It's the little areas that we refuse to let God come in and correct that keep us from our ultimate harvest. So I I spent last year God working on the little foxes. He's still tweaking my life. But I saw the fire of God enter into this building and I saw people burn or burn and disappear. There's a great harvest that's coming here. And what the enemy did to the American church actually is going to work for our greatest good. Because the American church has arisen. The American church has taken her place in prayer. The American church is repenting. The American church is going back to a Bible revival. The American church is arising. The the sleeping giant just got up. And so we get on God's plan or we get out of the plan. Many no-name churches will arise as great, great revival 
soul centers, people we don't know of or have never heard before, the Spirit of God will move in those regions. And they'll have men and women of God like your pastors that have been doing the work of God in caves and with small uh, uh, congregations. And the fire of God will begin to touch and bless. And great infernos will happen because His Spirit has now rested on the men and women that have given their lives. God doesn't need celebrities. He doesn't need showmen. He doesn't need people that are, are, are good, just good motivational speakers. He needs people to preach the gospel, men and women that will die for the gospel, that will preach the gospel and will live holy behind closed doors just like they do out in public. God, I just declare that this is a revival center in, a, in Houston, Texas. This is one of the churches that will burn with the inferno of the Holy Spirit. This is one of the churches where there will be great harvest and revival. And every weapon formed against you will not prosper. But it always will cost you something, church. It will cost you something. Know that your sin's been forgiven. But to live out God's plan will cost you something. It'll cost you money. It'll cost you time. It'll cost you dying out to your flesh. It will cost you something or your destiny will be aborted. Now, you may make it into heaven, but I don't know about you. Here's how I feel. I want to live every minute of my life on this earth doing everything that God's called me to do. I want to run it with the strongest Run that I am physically able to do, and I want God to anoint me. And in everything he's called me to do, I want to finish it. I want to do it, no matter what it costs. And that's your assignment. Here's what I want to do. Here's what I felt like the Lord told me. I want you to go home today, and I want you to write down what you're believing God is, God for yourself. For yourself and your family. And then I want you to take that and I want you to set it in a holy place in your home and leave it. Forget it. I want you to write down everything you're believing God for, for you, your family, yourself. There's nothing wrong with that. But I want you to take that as an offering to the Lord and set it in a holy place. And then I want you to go back. And I want you to write what you believe in God for, for your pastors and this church. And the kingdom of God to be fulfilled in this church. And I want you to pray over that. Morning, noon, and night. Pray over it for 21 days. Declare the healing of the Lord over Pastor Goodluck. Declare the healing of the Lord 
over this family. Declare the, the blessing of the Lord over this church. Call forth the harvest. Let your, let your, set aside yours for 21 days. Put it on an altar. And then I want you to pick up the Lord's business. The Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, all the plans that I want for my family, all the things I believe in for my family, all the things I believe in for my kids, all the things I believe God's told me to do in my ministry, I'm going to set it up there as an offering to you, Lord, for 21 days, and I'm going to pray for the Ark Fellowship, and I'm going to pray for the will, purpose, and plan for this church to be accomplished. I'm going to pray for pastors, for Pastor Goodluck to walk in complete, good life, good long life, to walk in complete healing. I'm going to ask God for a manifested miracle, because when it begins to break out in Him, it will break out everywhere. 21 days, I'm asking you for 21 days of laying yours down and picking up. Seek ye first. I'm asking you for three days of fasting. And let your pastors decide what those days are. And you fast for three days. And you begin to call forth the harvest. Don't back up from what God said. Don't back up from the call, the purpose, and the plan. And here's what's going to happen. Your obedience will open up heaven not only over this church in a greater measure. This church is under an open heaven, but it will be in a greater measure. It will open up, open heaven over this church in a greater measure. measure. But your obedience will open up the heavens over your plans that are set up and consecrated to God. Your children will be delivered. Your children will be saved. Your businesses will begin to expand and grow. God will open up doors for your ministry. God will do things that are supernatural. Seek ye first. I have spent my whole life serving my brother-in-law and my sister. Much of my whole life. It's the best thing I ever did. It's the best thing I ever did. I'm a stronger personality. I'm a stronger leader. But God said, no, you're going to submit to them. And I did it. And God helped me. And I've got a badge. Y'all want to see it? I'm teasing. But you know what? God is beginning to unfold my mission when I put what God told them first. And now he's opening up the world to me. And it, the things that I knew God had called me to do, but I, I put what God had called them to do first. There's something about that. There's something about laying down your agenda and picking up God's agenda and saying, God, I know you spoke those things to me and I know they're coming true, but I'm leaving them there for 21 days and I'm giving them up for 21 days and I am focusing on this church and breakthrough. There is a, listen, here's what I see. It's like there's a battering ram hitting this ministry. The anointing is just hitting it. It's hitting it. It's getting ready to mow it over, and the glory of the Lord is going to fall in here like you have never seen. But God is asking you to be obedient. Obedience is better than sacrifice. I want to you to write and, and close your eyes. Everybody close your eyes. I want you to raise your hand if you will pray for 21 days over this church and over your pastors and over the will, purpose, and plan of, of this ministry. I want you to raise your hand. 21 days. Starting today, I don't know what the date is, so just count 21 forward. 
I also want you to raise your hand if you'll fast three days. And I'll let your pastor decide how y'all do that, when y'all do that, or if y'all just do it at your own will. That's between him and y'all. And I commit for 21 days of praying for your ministry and laying mine down and praying for you. Lord, I just thank you for what you're doing in this house. Pastor Angel, you're going to cry tears of joy. You've cried some tears. Nobody knows how much you've cried. Because you're such a strong woman and you, you want to do the right thing all the time. Nobody knows the things that you've been through in the middle of the night and the terror that's stricken struck your heart at times. Nobody knows. But God does. He saw every time. But you're going to cry. But it's going to be tears of joy like never before. You're going to cry because of the salvation of the Lord. You're going to cry because of the healing of the Lord. You're going to cry because of the bounty of the Lord. You're going to cry tears. But they're going to be tears of great joy. You're going to, you're, you and Pastor Good Life. Good long life. I prophesy good long life. You and Pastor Good Long Life are going to uh, stand with people in many dark days. But when you come, healing will happen. And when you speak, deliverance will happen. And when you prophesy, God will not let one thing fall to the ground. And the healing ministry really has, it's getting ready to really take off. (laughs) Do you think it's happenstance that you get hit with cancer? No. He wants to shut you up. Ain't nothing shutting you up. You're the most faithful man that we know. You're faithful. And God will be faithful to you. He is being faithful to you. You're going to go to pastors when they're at the deepest, darkest hour, and you're going to walk in on their property, and things are going to begin to open up for them. You're going to, you're going to help ministries when they're down and when they feel like they can't go, and they're going to call you, and you're going to understand better than anybody and you're going to weep with them, but while you're weeping with them, God is going to heal them. You know, it's one thing to know how to rejoice with somebody, but it's another thing to know how to weep with somebody. And that doesn't mean you don't have a lack of faith. Because, listen, we're human. We live in a natural body, and sometimes we get sad. But it doesn't mean we don't have faith. I've had some of the greatest faith when tears were pouring down my face. And my faith was stronger than ever, but my physical body was grieving. That does not mean you're void of faith. And you will cry with those that cry, but when you pray, they'll be delivered. You're a great prayer warrior. You're a great prayer warrior. Heaven hears you. Heaven hears you. God has sent extra angels to bear you up during this time. He has sent angels to bear you up. There have been angels assigned to this church. Y'all, this is the greatest time ever to bless this church. I'm going to tell you. When you bless this church financially, showing up, being faithful, when you bless this church in this season, there's a greater harvest on it. I want to bless you. Raise your hands. 
I declare everyone in this church that has been faithful with their tithe, faithful with their attendance, faithful with their support, stood by their pastor. God, I ask you to give them a hundredfold blessing in this life. In this life. We declare it and decree it. In Jesus' name, God bless you. Amen. Amen. Uh, it's a great, great word for us today. Great, great word. Uh, Pastor Carly was talking about the commission and uh, the sacrifice we had, we have to make. Yesterday, I had uh, my daughter called. She's in San Antonio. And we talked for a long time about different things. She was trying to convince me about some things, and we talked. And uh, she says, uh, Daddy, when it comes to the Bible, you're stubborn. It's something when your daughter calls you stubborn, <laughs> you don't yield. And I agreed. I'm stubborn. And we talked. And I told her this. I don't know how I said, Grace, if I get trapped in a situation with regards to ministry, And I have to lose my life. I said to her, I'm willing to do that. I love all of you. But when it concerns God. And I have to lose my life. That was yesterday. I said, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to die. I'm willing. By the grace of God. I don't know what will happen. But if I find myself in a situation like that. If it's about something different, no. I'm not ready to go. But if it has to do with obeying God and doing what is right, I told my daughter, let them kill me. I'm ready to go. It doesn't bother me. So it was just a great thing to hear you talking about the sacrifice. My heart is made up. It's not to please people, but him him alone. That's what I found is important. It's not in anything but Jesus. Jesus, this great and awesome being. This great and awesome being. There's no way to understand him, this Jesus. No way. But that he gave that life for me. This awesome being that put everything together. He gave his life for me. Let him ask anything of me. Let him ask anything of me. Whether it's pain, whatever it is. Give me the grace to go through it. In obedience to you and to continue to love you. And not question 
what you're doing. He knows the best. Why should I ask? It's out for my best, like Carly says, to give me that good life. <laughs> Amen. Good long life, right? That's a really long name for me. <laughs> but I love it. I love it. Good long life. Keep calling me that. <laughs> we as our leaders, our church, our meet, will we'll decide quickly because I believe this is from the Lord. This 21 days of uh, prayer, three days of fasting. And uh, please write. Sometimes we hear things like this and we are, I may not do that. I don't know. (laughs) Obedience is better than sacrifice. Write out what you want from the Lord. Just as the servant of God has spoken, put it somewhere. Pray for these 21 days. And we're going to figure out today, you know, what we'll fast for three days. And follow what God has asked us to do. Amen. Sometimes we think we are hearing from man. <laughs> that is really God that is speaking. If you will understand. I mean, uh, we, we have to bless the servant of God. Amen. And I always come ready. Uh, I don't want to be left out. I pray because we may declare she's coming. And uh, I know she's coming. I'm not going to stay back and wait orders to give. And if you're giving via the internet, uh, I mean, those watching via the internet, please go to, and if, we, if the money comes in, we will actually put it together and send it to her. So those of you watching via the internet, go to our website, uh, the church app, and give, make it clear, this is for Pastor Kali. As it comes in, Irina will help me to put them together, and then we will send the check. But if you're here, I believe you came ready. How many of you came ready today? Amen. Let me read this scripture. This is the word of God. Galatians 6, verse 6 and 7. Let him who is taught the word share in all good things. You know what all good things mean? Money. (laughs) Hello. That's God speaking, okay? All good things is money today. She's not asking you to come to her house to fix her car. Money. Okay? That's what it says. Share in all good things with him who teaches. That's easy to understand. I mean, what more do you want to understand? It's English, right? And everyone can understand it. And it's coming from the Lord himself, the Spirit of God. And I want to be obedient. We just stand and uh, I want to pray over your offering. A generous offering, very important. So the servant, of glad, the servant of God is glad and refreshed as they have given to us the word of God. Father, I want to thank you. Thank you for the word today. So precious, so good. We received from your throne today. You've spoken to us. And we're grateful. And according to your word, we want to bless your servant that you used today. 
that we might seal everything that you've given to us this morning. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Thank you for giving. day is uh, is hard to find uh, it seems like it I don't know for sure those who are truly serving God and ministering the word sincerely uh, and wanting just to bless God's people and to see the kingdom expand uh, I pray that uh, many ministers that God's using don't go with their own agenda but with his agenda that's only what is important would you stand with me and thank God that you are doing what God has asked you to do thank God that God gave you the understanding to stay under authority I'm so blessed to hear you say that you stayed under authority I'm a man under authority a lot of people don't understand that. They don't. They don't. Because they have a gift and they think they cannot be under authority. And it's under authority that God expands whatever you're doing. And I'm so glad and appreciative of that. Give honor to whom honor is due. It's amazing. Father, I thank you for Pastor Kali and, uh, and our husband. Lord, I know that this ministry that you've given to her, I know without a doubt, will reach out to nations and nations will be blessed because her heart is sincere and she only wants to do what you've called her to do. No agenda. I thank you, God, for her life. and thank you for the ministry we've received. I thank you for your people that have gathered to hear you today. Something happening in our spirit that we are not even aware of to lift us up to a higher level of faith in God. Bless your people today. Let them be filled with your joy and gladness. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you with this meeting.